Alright, so who are you again? You're Sarah? I'm Sarah. <laughs> Hi, Clay. <laughs> and I'm Clay. And we're here at Havana Cafe Sessions Podcast. Yes. Doing our thing. And again. Uh, yeah, you've been on a walk this morning, which is good because we're going to talk about walking with Nietzsche. So how was your walk this morning? Yeah, the walk was good. Um, were you walking with Nietzsche? I was walking with Clay. Okay. It's my opportunity to connect with my own sort of thoughts. And I'm quite, um, and I know Nietzsche does it and Rousseau and a whole bunch of other people that I admire as writers as well. It was a big thing for them that walking was where they did all their creativity and um, the process of sitting down in their office was just to capture what they've worked out on their walks so they're big in the yeah. walks um, and I've always been a big fan of how long do you go when you go for a walk it depends on how much time I have yeah um, I mean today I did probably an hour or so okay because um, I know I had to get ready to come here so okay. I could have kept walking because <laughs> yeah. I'm you get in the groove um, I think that so to get my maximum benefit out of it in terms of thinking the longer I walk the better because you have that beginning but just like you get ready to go on the Camino I think it's the first couple of days it's you're still attached to normality in the world and you're still thinking about home but then there's a switch somewhere in there where those things fade into the distance and I think it's the same with a normal walk there's the initial kind of walking feeling the body all that sort of stuff but then it starts to fade away and you get into the rhythm and I think that's what it is for me it's a, a sort of um, motion creates a a new sort of connect and we talked about in fact it connects with last week as yeah in with the sort of body, body mind stuff that's the right. body mind stuff isn't it so it's like um if you just sit and do your thing then yeah are you are you firing on all cylinders yeah where you get the body and you get the motion and, and all that rhythm that comes with that um see i, I have the same kind of experience much more with driving so it's not necessarily yeah. that i'm physically using my muscles but that movement is there is something to it where you sort of are staring out and well, I think your the mind can aspect, sort of wander and make connections and yeah things i think like with that. The, the driving taking a shower these things where you are working your subconscious is working on a on the problem mm. um, and you're in a different environment which i think is slightly different from the walking piece because the walking piece again it's the it's the there's um, something about the body moving yeah, you it's think the, it's interesting the, it's the movement yeah that's that's the difference and that connection with self when sometimes when i do the like the adventure coaching stuff and or even just a normal coaching session to go out and walk changes people's perspective on the problem because you change the environment to which they normally deal with the, the problem yeah. and so they automatically are seeing the problem differently because they're in another environment and then they've got the motion um that's on that and the physicality of the moving and the muscles and the you know the breathing and all those things start to come into into play that i think um well helps you to fire on all cylinders instead of just yeah the partial pieces of you um uh yeah in that so yeah there's a uh, Nietzsche was a big walker for him I think there's a quote in there somewhere where he says never trust any philosophical thought that was not born 
while out walking type thing or something mm. similar to that. Um, and I guess we're using that name because the one book that we've been kind of reading is the, uh, is it called Hiking with Nietzsche? Yeah. Yeah, Hiking with Nietzsche. And I just mentioned this. Well, I don't even know. Where did I come across it? I don't, I don't even know what I was. And this is how my reading life works. I have no idea how I came across this book, but I'm sure it would have been as a result of reading something else and it got mentioned and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then next thing yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm down another rabbit hole. <laughs> mm. um, and I, I think he's one of my favorite philosophers in any way. Um, so um, I'm quite into him in that way. Although I have to, you know, admit I haven't, the book that I like the most and that I read often um, is beyond good and evil because that one just seems to speak to me. I've tried reading some of the others, like Thus Spoke Zarasutra uh, and some of his other ones, but for some reason they don't speak to me the same way as Beyond Good and okay. Evil does. And I think it's because he, it was, it was that he shifted in the how he was writing. He started writing more in aphorisms with Beyond Good and Evil as opposed to a sustained. Um, essay type thing um, and is there a sutra I want to I want to go back to it because again that's a fictional piece and it's kind of yeah I'd like to fiction. read that at some point yeah yeah and but whenever I read it it's like it's like yeah okay um, yeah so I'll have to take my time with it I think and and uh, sort of break it down but the only real reason why I brought this book up last week um was probably less about him and mm. less about the book and less about the hiking bit and more about the subtitle of becoming who you are yeah um, which was really what was on my mind um and i know that nietzsche was i mean that became his life work at that point about becoming who you are um because i suppose he in his disdain and hatred for like the bourgeoisie and the the modern life that almost killed off what makes us human he says isn't it that like all the things there's a there's a bit at the beginning of the hiking with Nietzsche where he talks about um how all animals you know play and use their energy and enjoy the sort of embodied experience of living and that modern life is really about taking all of those things away. Mm. And even even suffering is meant to be a part of things. And um, so yeah, his early influence, so at the beginning of that book, because he was influenced early on by the transcendentalist. Yeah. Which is where that kind of thinking which would have come from. Which is sort of a Emerson. Emerson and yeah. Thoreau and those kind of characters yeah. and connecting yeah. back with nature and looking to nature as, as your guide and your source for spirituality almost if you want to connect with god uh you do it through nature as opposed to, as through man or some religion or some other school of thought which as nietzsche develops over time and um, because he has kind of phases isn't he so he had the whole sort of transcendental yeah place and it was nature and getting back connected with self and Hence, being a big walker as well. Yeah. Then he had his sort of um, uh, was it show show Wagner. Well, the the Wagner and the uh, Showhauser. Yeah, right. Period. When he became incredibly sort of pessimistic. pessimistic. Yeah, because yeah. that was uh, Schopenhauer's mm-hmm. philosophy was in that like kind suffering of space. has to be the meaning of life. Because yeah. yeah, 
yeah so then he had that period and i think it was the whole sort of wagner period where when he i guess there was so the tension developed where you know wagner wanted to was the ego and wanted to be the center of and Nietzsche was starting to shine a little bit and Wagner and his wife were wanted to make sure that he stayed in his place but I think it and that when that break happened and pushed him into a more isolated space mm-hmm. then he comes around to the space that actually the stuff that we're looking for is contained within so all these other people will have ideas and they try and put those and impose those ideas on you but the place to find what you're looking for is inside yourself right but first you have to take the journey back so that you can understand all the stuff that's messing you up so you can disregard it so this whole idea about god is dead uh, which is probably one of his most famous sort of quotes because he you know he has how many of us his dad was uh, uh, a pastor of some sort Um, and, and in fact in his early 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 you know he was the little preacher was his yeah nickname as a kid and um, because that just seemed that that were going to be his natural progression was to follow in his dad's footsteps in that way what, what i really liked about this book is that when we read these kind of philosophers they're the philosophy that they are known for is completely set apart from their life experience and you know you just read like you read what he said but what i like about this book is that it's very clear how his his different life experiences both with his dad passing away and then you know there's a there's a few examples in that instance where the author talks about the importance and like yeah just of, of when your father passes away as a little boy your first instinct is to want to emulate him and sort of keep him alive by following in his footsteps. And that whatever German philosopher that um, he becomes so pessimistic about had the exact same thing. At first, he was doing what his father had done, being doing some kind of finance thing. Mm. Um, and Nietzsche following in his footsteps with the pastor thing. And then, of course, the author himself has that experience um, where he, his father sort of abandons the family at some point. And he also recognizes, I suppose, that impulse to sort of travel along your father's footsteps a bit, but also the feeling of being quite quickly disillusioned by that, or, or in some ways maybe understanding the disillusionment that comes with that path, which is why the fathers in these instances sort of drank themselves to death or abandoned their supposedly like perfect bourgeois mm. upper class life. Um, so yeah, and I, I, I really liked that because when you set things within a context of this is what life has shown me, you can understand then why this experience is there. You know, why when you have a father who seemingly has a perfect life, but then goes mad or becomes an alcoholic or needs to numb out as a child you don't really understand that but if you then as a young adult try and pursue that and start to experience some of that same disenchantment disillusionment sort of numbness i think you can quite quickly realize what your father was maybe going through 
and that that kind of understanding what the modern world can do to a person becomes really prominent in your philosophy then isn't it yeah, i think so i think the um the thing that you mentioned at the start of that 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 piece was the fact that what i like about sort of nietzsche and others is that they lived it was a lifestyle so they yeah. didn't do f academic philosophy and i'm away in the classroom and having these esoteric thoughts their philosophy is born out of how they live which is the original intent of philosophy yeah so when you get into beyond good and evil i don't even think nietzsche liked to refer to himself as a philosopher i mean he was a philologist right so studied symbols and language and and the like um it didn't didn't see himself as a philosopher and then beyond good and evil he actually has very bad things to say about philosophers um which again that's probably why i like beyond good and evil because he really takes a, a real stab at academic philosophy um as opposed to philosophy from an ancient greek point of view which is it's how do you live your life yeah um and the things that guide you in that that sort of space so again hence you know he had real difficulties with the christian thinking um in the sense that it again divorced itself from real life and living life and imposed these sort of rules um upon which he you know meant to kind of conform because he was a big non-conformist in that aspect um was well hold on a minute turned inward the free thinker walk that path to figure these things out for yourself as opposed to just accept what's been given to you accept what your father's given you accept what the yeah. status quo or religion gives you you know don't just accept what society and gives you and um, but he says that's a difficult path to take to be a free thinker is not an easy task or uh, path to walk because it forces you into the outsider position because you're not going along with the herd you're not being one and with everybody else and so yeah. you're I think, automatically on the outside yeah i think that um the thing because i like a lot of what nietzsche says and reading this book was really inspiring actually and sort of sets a fire in your belly again about just life and mm. thinking about things and and assessing the way that you you are sort of doing it so you know if anyone's needs a bit of fire in their belly yeah hiking with nietzsche is good i think it's a good one it? definitely because it's because of the context again it's yeah it's, it's really an easy read it's linked into his own experience but i think the thing mm -hmm. that turns me off to nietzsche is and and this kind of sometimes i get this that i think for some people who feel alienated and feel like they never fit in and you know they talk about how he was teased and mm and stuff and I, I do believe there are people who you know for for many reasons and there are a lot of people that feel like this that that they don't fit in and they can't fit in you know and the effort it takes to just be part of this modern life is so painful that they don't know what to do with themselves do you know what I mean but for me there's there's sort of two ways that you can go with it one is to put yourself on as as this like I'm so much better than these people because everybody else is sheep and I have realized the truth of this life and 
there's an almost an anger that comes and a disdain that comes for like the masses, the the bourgeois that just buy into this stuff and go along with it and almost seeing them as imposing it on him. And I do I I can really understand where that comes from and it's completely valid, but for me there's a I don't know. I don't like that. Like I'm so much better than everybody so else kind of thing. A, I don't think you had a, a much better. I don't think there was a I'm better mm. than you. I don't think it was the mentality. Uh, really? No. I, I feel like that. I feel like when yeah. he's talking about the bourgeois, he's saying what he's saying is like, I have realized the truth. Mm. You guys are all sheep. You guys are crap. The way you live is crap. Mm. And the way I live is even if it's painful, it's better. And, that, and that's yeah. fine. And that so, might be true. I think that's different from this is a better way of living than I'm better than you, which is different. Yeah. I'm not sure if the, the mm. line is always so clear, though. I mean, mm. I think for me, the other option is this sort of. Because I hate it. I hate the fact that we, well, you know that I'm an anarchist, really. I'm like, I hate governments. I hate yeah. the rules and society that are imposed. I know that I have to, you know, I have to play the game. So yep. it is a game that I play, but I absolutely, I, I hate it. Yeah. Um, because I don't like the fact that someone else said, here are the rules and here's how life's meant to be. Yeah. Um, and I just outright reject it. I play because I have to play. Yeah. But I, I, inside, absolutely hate it and which is probably why i connect with him in that in that instance yeah totally um and so and i, and I get it and you know most and, and and sometimes you know the whole saying ignorance is bliss and i think you know again not everybody wants to come out on this side maybe not everybody needs to come out in that sort of space um and and i don't mind so maybe where i differ is if that's how you want to live, then I'm a, I'm much of a, you know, live and let live. So if you want to be a sheep, go on and be a sheep, but don't try and make me one as right. well. So don't try and, um, so yeah. I won't try and impose my thing on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't try to impose your thing on me. So that's, that's where I get See, really See, I feel crazy. like there's more of a fierceness with Nietzsche about mm. like, this is, this is the thing. I mean, I, I, I might be getting that tone wrong. I feel like. The thing that I gravitate... He's just a cranky old man, that's all. I mean, think about it. If you're isolated and you're out, you're suffering from all these things. So he does come across as, you know, being angry at the establishment um, and and think of some of the things that happened to him that made him even more angry. I mean, the fact of not being able to... um, Well, the one girl he did fall in love with, you know, she punked him along with his friend Renee, Renee, Um, and then the whole sort of, you know, because at one point in time when that whole sort of Wagner, Wagner thing, I mean, Nietzsche was right in society, he found a place and, you know, he was moving along into that space and then I think he was really, really hurt by that relationship which pushed him inward. So there's a, there's an anger and a bitterness in terms of I extend myself and this is what I get back. I extend myself is what I get back from, you know, the parents, dad, extend myself, friend. I finally open up to a woman and boom, you know, it just comes right back on on me. And so the only place left is to 
you know, pretty much just be a, a, a monk, be his yeah, yeah. or disappear into the into the cave and um, and and choose this life instead of going into that one because pain comes with that that sort of that sort of space. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I think what just you know, when again reading the book, you see, you know, how how um how he how the way that he lives informs the, the philosophy itself because again in the yeah. very beginning um you know the, the profession that he was in um in fact he took a lot of flack from his profession um and looking at language and symbology and the profession and its um the norm was to let's get back to the root of the word and make it how it was in the beginning yeah. whereas he was looking at it well no let's see where it came from but then how do we apply it to our lives now and and today um so he was very much in that kind of vein i think the other thing in this whole you know becoming who you are um when he talked about the eternal return and i know we talked about this in the past in terms of you know, getting your life to the place where, you know, if if if, if the world is infinite, and it, so cycles, the thing is going to repeat itself. Just mathematically, this moment would repeat itself if it's infinite time. Um, and his question is, would you be happy to live this moment again? And so, the orientation of your life should be so you can say, yes, I'm happy to live this moment again because of the decisions i made or in things or how they are and so that you're trying to line your life up into a place where you where it's grounded in your values yeah um and it's grounded in the values that you'd be happy to live over and over again do you remember when you first came across nietzsche um no actually I mean, it was post, it was post, I mean, I would have seen his, I would have, you know, would have, I'm sure I would have come across him at school, at university, but in a different context, because yeah, I did study um, sort of German history and that kind of stuff, but, and actually getting into his work would have definitely was post, was probably post army stuff as well, even. Um, and it was beyond good and evil that I stumbled across um from it yeah okay um but i'm not sure how or why um and the reason again as i say resonated with me is the same as why thoreau resonated with me because i've always been interested in philosophy but i don't i've never wanted to be an academic philosopher and both those guys seem to offer me a way to want to be a philosopher without being an academic philosopher yeah. they seem yeah. to helped me to validate myself in yeah. terms of I don't have to be some brain box you know writing these I mean maybe that's also what Nietzsche means about not believing anything that doesn't come through walking and stuff that there's more of a meaning to it than that in the sense that it's a sort of counterpoint to the philosophy that comes out of just sitting in a desk and thinking that it's only thought whereas you know if philosophy comes in you know through lived experience you know it's not just walking it's like living hmm. then there's something more valuable to it isn't it well, it's the, it's the living it's the deciding for yourself what 
life means to you, what's important to you, whatever those sets of values are, but that you make the conscious decision, whatever. I mean, you might even choose to, you know, follow a Christian path or follow, um, ooh, or follow whatever path you might yeah. choose to do it. But I think what, what he's trying to push is to, you know, choose the, re you know, you make the choice, actually make the conscious choice. Don't just accept it because your father yeah. said or society says or these great thinkers said, get out and experience life for yourself and yeah. then decide what are the values that are important to you. So because this all blends into the whole existential as well so it was very much an existential philosopher in that sense um so you can get into Kierkegaard and those kind of characters um again where this when you go to the well you'll realize that life is absurd that whole idea when you really look at life itself and you go to the sort of pit of despair as it were um and realize that there's nothing there and then it's total freedom then for you is to construct the life that has meaning to you so then you decide however you want to live that's what you decide um but you make that conscious choice so it's a yeah I it's think, a liberating thing in that sense yeah i think that i i suppose what i mean about this book sort of setting a fire in your belly a bit is there's a real inspiring aspect of Nietzsche that's the courage and bravery to really admit mm. that you don't fit in to how everybody else is living that for whatever reason this doesn't you know like this doesn't suit you and to then be fierce in your commitment to finding a life that does suit you you know and whether that's when he's 15 and he's sort of just they, they have that great um story about him founding um the this book club mm. with a couple of other like sort of bookish nerdish kind of boys and you know them getting together and throwing a bottle of port or whatever they had bought off the um you know cliff to sort of solidify this this is a club this is a thing mm. um you know i mean i think that there might be different aspects of our modern life or the life that we individually are living that don't suit us. And those things aren't always the same thing, you know, but, um, you know, I mean, even for instance, like the, uh, you know, living in a city versus not, you know, some people just love living in the city and some people feel like that lack of space and false sort of constructed environment is like, you know, Rousseau would say a horrible thing, isn't mm -hmm. it? So I think everybody, but I think everybody will have moments of being in a situation or a life that suddenly feels alien. And yeah, just, just having that kind of um, encouragement to step out of almost everything and say, okay, if I, if I wipe this all away, what would I want? What would suit me? What doesn't, you know, but you almost have to really, and, and I think Nietzsche, that's, that's sort of what he does, isn't he? In a way he leaves his, his professorship post. He eventually abandons these friends who are not real friends. Um, you know, and he, and he sort of 
over time and and certainly it seems like there's there's moments and and whole years and years where he is sort of pulled in with this you know Wagner crowd wanting to find a father figure and Wagner and wanting to find a sense of belonging but then you know coming back to this this is not working for me anymore this isn't right and then you Here's know, his question. commitment to continue to step back and reassess. I wonder if he didn't have the experience that he had with Wagner, if he would have come to the same space. So yeah. everything had gone right for him and he would have yeah. been able to shine as he was going to be shining without someone kind of clipping his wings. Yeah. Would he have gone a bit different? The other thing that I want to make a point of is this is something that I didn't really pick up before until actually, I mean, I probably knew it, but didn't really the book reinforced for me that it was big into culture and art and music um, as a source of um, connecting with whatever this spirit or thing is. So, you know, his sort of birth of tragedy. Mm -hmm. And that book is, again, going back to the Greeks and looking at um, plays and 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 what we learn from the arts, basically. Yeah. Um, music, same sort of thing. What you learn from music or how music touches the soul. Um, so yeah, I think there's that's a part that often gets what well, I missed. Um, and then the fact that he chose to come again to break away from the academic writing, he, his later works. He chose to use aphorisms, for instance, as opposed to doing um, philosophical essays. Um, chose, like Plato, to, to do the dialogues or, or the Zarathustra bit, which was fiction. You know, it was a, you know, using a different medium to address the philosophy, where as opposed to doing it from a academic point of view and writing the philosophical essay yeah. argument. Uh, sort of piece which is why sometimes you find his stuff in literature not in philosophy because right. he wasn't actually a philosopher in that sense yeah. it's funny it made it really made me think about um how the culture that we're born in has the capacity to sort of be flexible with different kinds of individuals or not and it's the sort of thing that's always drawn me more to Eastern philosophy because there's just much more of a value of going inward and and, um, and experiential searching. There's a lot of, um, you know, I think you have obviously, and we've talked about loads of Western philosophers who, who are the same, whether you're talking about Emerson or whether you're talking about Socrates mm. or whatever, but in the midst of that, it's, there's this sort of dominant um, feeling of real cerebral thinking in circles kind of thing that I, you know, sort of made me shy away from that whole thing for a while. But, you know, I think about, you think about the Buddha, like another person that didn't really fit in, you know, he sort of was sheltered and came from a very nice upbringing, but things he saw, he was like, I can't fit into this life, this life where I'm like a prince or, you know, the son of a Lord and, you know, everything's sort of taking care of for me, but that's, you know, in the same way, like Nietzsche had a, a reasonably nice childhood, you know. So I think these existential crises don't necessarily come out of trauma all the time. They can just come out of like your soul, basically saying this isn't this doesn't seem right, you know. And, you know, 
but I think in that time period and in that culture, there was a whole um, there was a whole culture of renunciation. You know, you could renunciate life and become a sadhu, and there were loads of people just wandering around trying to find exactly that thing that's like, what is life beyond the trappings of, you know, whatever modernity at that point was and all these like, so it's sort of, I don't know, it just, it just sort of makes you think like, there are a lot of people that feel like this and there are certain places that you can find a sense of community that also doesn't require you to conform, but encourages you to find your own path but then there's also places where that is really not available to you and then it can drive someone mad which mm -hmm. is I, th I think sort of you know just made me wonder like you said if all of these individual things hadn't happened to Nietzsche where he was sort of alienated from you know this father figure alienated from the woman he loved you know sort of alienated in a culture where there were no other renunciate renunciators like walking around mm then would he have gone quite as mad as he went? I don't think he went mad because of that, but yeah, <laughs> he went mad for other reasons. Well, what other reasons? Um, well, this whole syphilis thing that he contracted. So okay. the madness was yeah. born out of... But he was sort that. of, that was sort of... Bef but he had, I mean, he didn't have problems. He had medical problems. So he suffered from migraines, which is partly why I took the partial retirement. But there's um, all there's also a very much a um I mean he literally went mad as in yeah. I just read the bit about the horse and hugging the horse to try and keep the two from whipping the horse, but then he just collapsed and spent the next eleven years pretty much in an as in a, in an asylum. Um and in fact one of the guys was it man what uh, wanted to expose himself well, because he wanted to, you know, we had a slight conversation about the madness and mm -hmm. um, creativity and genius. So he, he intentionally... Is this Thomas Mann? No. No, who are you talking about? Um, I don't remember his first okay. name. It was, it was right, in right. Um, but but uh, um, intentionally contracted the syphilis so that he can induce the madness. Because um, he was well, just assuming that if I can induce that kind of madness in me, maybe I can touch... I can breach the wall, right? <laughs> um, and and see beyond. But other people will, will use psychedelics for that. You know, yeah. let's breach the wall. Let's breach the the because. So there's a theory where you, you know, if you're looking at T Timothy Leary and um, Robert Anton Williams, um, uh, who's my guy that wrote the Brave New World, um. uh, him. The doors of perception. Not um, Huxley. Huxley. Yeah. Okay. Um, where it's because your imprinting is so strong, it's so hard to... To even see it, much to see less it, to move penetrate beyond it. Yeah. it that, um, you know, you were saying, you know, earlier that, you know, people say, well, I've, these great folks were all kind of mad or they were these other things. So do I have to be that in order to be creative and reach the space? Um, and so what you know this population of, of folks were saying that because your imprinting from when you're born is so strong that you need some catalyst that can break you from that because you're not it's so strong that you're not even aware of the patterns that yeah exist so you need something that breaks that pattern so stuff like lsd or peyote or um ayahuasca 
breaks the pattern of normality and allows you to see beyond the, the strictures to what's you know the, the model of your world as it as yeah, it yeah, sort yeah. of exists um which is again an interesting sort of thought or place to explore i guess um but back to sort of um you know sort of nietzsche's viewpoint um you know the whole sort of journey inward or journey into self in fact he got into buddhism or at least explored sort of buddhism and the eastern philosophy as well in fact i've got a book um that parallels the two um of his sort of thought because again just from an exploration yeah. point of view he was exploring the various different yep. schools of of sort of of thought and how do we connect um with things and yeah i'm very much my biggest thing with me and my connection with Nietzsche, I think, is the fact that, well, the whole existential piece of, of, of coming to this realization of yeah, maybe life is absurd and it yeah. is nothing, but you have to create this meaning um, for yourself and, and having the, the courage to do that. Because it's not, it is, it isn't easy and even when you were saying a little bit earlier um you know there's the majority if you think about the masses the masses fit in a space and that is the norm and there's other people that are outliers um even if you have a community of outliers it's still not in the masses so yeah. you still don't find acceptance in the greater um herd which, you know, again, could be isolating unless you do have a strong community where you're okay, well, I'm outside the herd, but I've got my community and that's where I get my substance from. So even if we go back to sort of ancient Greece and Plato and his academy, you know, they, same problems that we're having now and their existential crisis was, you know, all these rich Greeks are living in the city and decadent and all this. Well, let's create our own place out away from that so yeah, that we yeah, can yeah. focus on the things that are important in life and you know so again it was let me break away from society let me come away from the norm or the and um be in a place where i can live how i would want to live without someone saying this is how you should live yeah mm. it just reminded me also what you were saying just there of um is he the one that's known for that which does not kill me makes me stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he rephrased that from that um, German philosopher that he was so yeah. influenced in early on that was a bit pessimistic, but was talking yeah. about the importance of suffering and, you know, how we can make meaning of suffering because it can't just be meaningless. Otherwise, there's no meaning to life. Mm. So it's either his his whole thing was there's all this suffering in the world. It has to mean something. And if it doesn't mean anything, then there's no, there's no meaning to life. And if there is meaning to life, it is suffering. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and, and again, I think for me, there's just, I think because I'm so sort of in the, I suppose, I, I don't know, I, I think I've been so attracted to the school of Buddhism because of their their sort of 
they don't shy away from that stuff, but there's an optimism at the end of the thing that's, it's not just we have to mire ourselves in suffering and, you know, which is sort of what this German philosopher is so pessimistic about life. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, and I feel like maybe Nietzsche's reframing of it as what doesn't kill us makes us stronger is moving in that sort of optimistic direction. The idea that, you, you know, suffering is, is a place where if you don't succumb to it, it has the most power to teach you something and to learn say, from that's it. The thing. And it's learning through adversity, isn't that's it? That's right. And so, mm. yeah. So, I mean, you but know, even then, think about literature and stuff. So, if you read, and I think maybe that was an example in here, if you just read it, a story, you know, have all nice things happen. Totally. We don't like it. It's no, conflict, that's right. isn't it? It's conflict conflict that reveals character that right. brings change. It's how we learn about who we are is through, through the sort of conflict yeah um again which again is an interesting it's an interesting way so if you want to know who you are adversity will reveal you to who reveal your true self yeah um because everything else is an academic conversation as in you're talking about it and i do this and here are my values and all those sorts of things but it would only be through adversity or conflict to your real actions will be revealed yeah yeah <laughs> revealed yeah. for you yeah. Well, it, and and not only necessarily revealed as in they're static and then they are revealed to you but as in adversity changes you and brings things out of you and strengthens things or in breaks you, you or breaks you yeah, yeah. i've just but been talking that, to someone that's been broken by adversity because that's the whole idea with the hero's journey as well isn't it so you go you accept the call to adventure. You go on the quest for the elixir. But sometimes you don't make it back. Sometimes you get to it and you don't make it back. So and that, um, so sort of from another Eastern point of view about this sort of going, um, you know, the known and the unknown. But sometimes you go into the unknown and you don't make it back. So you See, I think that's the other thing that. for me with Nietzsche that's hard to... Um Although I admire him and I, I think I, I like a lot of what he says, it's hard for me to really adopt him as like, a, you know, a sort of soul friend in that sense, because he's for me, he's one that doesn't make it back. And I want to follow somebody through the darkness that makes it back because I want to make it back, too. You know, yeah, but that's no good then. Then your your experience would not be authentic. Well, I suppose so I don't mean I don't mean follow. That's the yeah. wrong way of putting it. I mean, at the beginning of your journey, when you meet the wise person that gives mm. you some tools to take with you into the journey, into the darkness where you go on your own. I'm not sure I want to take Nietzsche because he didn't make it back. I want to take the wisdom from somebody who made it through so ah, that I can go. make it back. Do you think? It? Well, his, you, you're reading his stuff. So his his. So if you if you put him in the position of the mentor, his job is to supply you with the tools. Right. At some point, you've got to go on your own. Right. And whatever tools and things that you yep, have yep, yep. to help you through it. So, um, in that sense, that would be the point of that sort of space. As in, he's not offering, he's not offering a path to say this is the path and this is how you make it to the other end. Here's here's how you need to prepare yourself. So when you step into the breach, 
and you're going to have your own experience and whatever. But don't you want to take tools from someone who knows the breach and has, has survived it? No. Okay. No, not necessarily. I do. do you? Yeah, because because there's, but that's the whole point. The whole point is that. But I mean, maybe the you'll other. You'll never know. You'll and never, I think maybe the other yeah. point is that, like mm. looking at it from an outside perspective rather than an internal perspective. There's no mm. way of really judging whether he feels like he made it through or not. Mm. You know, because maybe making it through is simply not going along with and and in the face of an incredible amount of. And I, I also would say that he wasn't putting himself in the position as a leader of taking someone through. So that's yeah, probably, that's true. I'm going to say it's probably a, yeah. a misplacing him in right. that sense because yeah, yeah, he yeah. wasn't interested in your journey. Right. Yes. Here's my journey and I'm going through and I didn't make it through not because of my thoughts, but because, well, I contracted syphilis and I went mad and I died from I that. I think that's but, the thing is like, you know, there's, and again, this is not to like harp on him or, or, or say that, you know, negate sort of the things that he said that I find to be quite, quite true. But if you look at other people's journey and you say, I'm not interested in your journey because you are doing exactly the opposite of what I think, like you're going along with the bourgeois life, mm. you're missing the point you're just numb to life. You know, you're just like, my father's going to drink himself to death because he's sort of alienated and had, doesn't even realize it, I guess, or can't find that thing that then brings you back, whatever. But then there's that other aspect that's one of sort of compassion and real empathy with the others around you because even though they are not stepping outside of conventions, they also have the same kind of needs for meaning that you do and maybe they haven't been able to for whatever reason wake up step outside you understand that because and have great compassion for their situation because you know how hard it is to do that very thing do you know what i mean but i think that's and a different so calling though isn't it i think you're right i mean i think there's some people who recognize that um, you know, that we are, and one of the quotes I was saying here, that we follow this pattern. Well, how can you just look at the self-help industry now? That's what it yeah. all exists on. Yeah, oh, yeah, everybody yeah. is watching TV, blowing your mind. Yeah. You know, stop that. Come, f But they all want followers. They all want someone to follow my school of thought, follow my religion, follow my... And follow this. But I don't if think, I give you this rule book, yeah. then this I don't think that's what I'm line. saying, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, there's if you're an outsider because I mean he must have cared about other people's journey in the sense that he was writing all of things these things down like if you really only care about yourself you're not going to bother writing stuff down and, and publishing it you might write journals to keep for yourself but you're not publishing things people are you know I feel like there is that attempt that he has just like you know it says in Thus Spoke Zarathura to you know, shuff, shuttle back between like the cave and, and the town and sort of there is even in his attempt to be to exclude himself because that's the only place he felt like he could really then discover and, and be who he was. There is that effort through the writing, if nothing else, to reach out to other people who may have that same sense. No? Um depends because again if you look at his journey so was was the writing because remember he was into literature and i like was that my 
ego-driven self to want to contribute just like Plato and others have contributed great works to the mm -hmm. world. And now I have a great mind and, and yeah. I'm going to contribute yeah, and yeah, yeah. my thoughts. Not, not, I'm not writing a self-help book to say, here, follow no. these rules. And, but actually, I've had these great thoughts and part of thinking. Some say writing is thinking. That's how I get the stuff that's out of my head down on the page. Yeah. And of others. I mean, he did self, he did do the entrepreneur thing at one point. So, yeah, so he, yeah. at one point he was going with the establishment, wanted to get published, didn't do so well. So the second time around so that he can do what he wanted to do with the entrepreneurial route and printed his own books to, to sort of sell. Now, I guess the question, what would be his motivation just to show his thinking and wanted to follow along of other tradition in relationship yeah, to yeah. literature and, and culture. Um, so there's probably any number of those sorts of reasons, but I don't think he was a self-help type guru no, no, that would definitely. want to say, yeah. here's a, a set of rules to follow and this will make your life better, which I guess is a different calling that some people do. They're like, all right, well, I've done, I've gone on a journey, I've learned these things, and then I feel compelled to share that journey with others so that can help them along to help them to live a, a better right. life yeah um so yeah so yeah no i see what you're saying mm, yeah all right it was good it's been yeah. a, a good sort of exploration i don't i mean well i guess where i'm at um in my wrestling with this and the reason why the book is was attracted me is that again becoming who you are and what does that actually mean um, and what are the conditions for myself that I need to make that equation complete mm -hmm. um, and then how do you deal with the various different societal pressures um, norms expectations how do you reconcile what seems to be normal but what you know was in your head and how do you reconcile the inner self with the outer self and needing to needing to live in the society with other people yeah um even though i don't necessarily believe what you know the what it is but so yeah so you know do i do the whole sort of nietzsche thing and say all right well you know what? i'm gonna go find me a cave and go live in a cave um because i really can't stand society and its rules yeah. and all that sort of stuff or that actually i quite like people sometimes so mind hanging out with them if i'm going to hang out with them then i have to play these kind of rules but then what does that do to me internally yeah knowing that i'm compromising who i am to sort of fit in with yeah yeah, with yeah. that sort of thing so yeah so um i shall probably be wrestling with that until the end of my days Indeed. in which i figured out that i have 1508 weekends left okay and then that's it and i'm done i'm done. how do you know how'd you figure that number um the life expectancy of a uk male i just put uk because that's where i've been living for the most of the part of the time um yeah it was just based off of that so in theory, I have 1,508 weekends left. Okay. Which is, now how do I maximize 
those 1500 weekends I have left. Yeah. Uh, and someone pointed days? out someone pointed out to me that when I came and did that math that I didn't take a hedonistic solution. I didn't say, well, my 1500 days I want to go and just be wild. I want to use my 1500 days to do what you were just saying. How do I help others to see different, live different, be different, or at least question the fabric yeah, yeah. To, to do the Morpheus thing, to at least question your reality and yep. uh, what you then decide to do once you've questioned it um, and interrogate it. Some might break free. Some might be like Cypher and say, forget that, man. Just plug, <laughs> plug me, me back, back in, in and I don't yeah. remember nothing, nothing, because ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting that someone pointed out that I opted the help and not the hedonistic end, even though I only have 1,500 well, I think that was one of the things um, that they said that this book says at the beginning about um, when Nietzsche is talking about how modern life takes away so much of what is sort of basic to mm. our to our being. Um, work is one of them or, or sort of productive. You know, it makes work into something you just do for for money rather than, you know, a life's work. You know, something that you're sort of creating and and building in whatever way that looks like for you. And, that, you know, I mean, I have this big sort of thing about work and how we can find a way and a thing to work on that is that that brings us those good things about work that doesn't just drain us so that we only have a weekend, you know, but that, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting one, that one, because... I had a couple of instances that I've just overheard as I was in an office building and I was thinking that's just the epitome of why as you're working for a company that you're pretty much an indentured servant to that company. Um, and I probably shouldn't give the example because I don't know yeah. if someone's listening to it, but I'll tell yeah. you afterwards. But yeah. when they did that, I was thinking, you know what? One, I thought it was completely wrong yeah. thinking of the individual but the company doesn't actually Think care like about that. the right. individual. It's about the company and the productivity and yeah, the thing. Yeah. And I was reflecting in my head when I heard that scenario. I was thinking none of these people are really free in that instance yeah. because... I see another episode on company. work coming. Well, that and the fact that how, you know, because you, I mean, you're not at that spaceship, but I've got two kids who are trying to figure out what to do with yeah. their lives how how do they do that and how i mean cause stay we, free. well no not so that they stay free it doesn't really matter about that it's it's we're asking them like yours are going to be coming to a space now where they're making decisions about what their future should be but they have no life experience yeah. and you know yeah. okay pick something that you you like but is that the right thing to pick and yeah. or do um, and how do you make such a big decision, big decision without, where yeah. you didn't have maybe the age has gone by, you wouldn't have had to make that decision because you just did what your parents did and you yeah. carried on on a farm or you blacksmithed or yeah. and so the path was chosen. But now that we've given 
we're throwing choice at people. How well, do you but make... also I think w- the the number of jobs that create a sense of alienation. I think in the the sort of you know in those days in which you didn't really choose your job well, let's, unless let's, you let's, worked on the farm. Because we're going to yeah, we're, okay, uh, we're spinning off. Yeah, let's, say, but this is good. Episode. Let's do this another episode because I think it's worth exploring. One because you're you're at the beginning of that cycle because your kids are how old? Five and eight. Five and eight. So your eight-year-old is getting ready to start needing... I mean, it doesn't. It sounds ludicrous that he's eight, but it's given, what, another three, five years, and he's going to need to be thinking about what the hell... He, can you imagine your eight-year-old now? In five years, he needs to be starting to think about what he's going to do with the rest of his life in that instance. And that's five years goes by like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm at the other end of it where they both, the one's done with uni, the other one's finishes uni this year. Right. And still they're trying to figure out, you know, they spend all this time in academics and learning something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're going to do with their lives. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So ep- next episode, that's, that's going to right. be. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah so we'll see everybody next week but in the meantime if there's somebody in your life that you feel like could use a little bit of um thinking about bigger things and not getting caught up in just spinning through their weeks then share the uh podcast with them yeah and, and get and get the discussion going in the dis- in the forum as well yeah. and a discussion little group there i think it'd be great to carry on this conversation with a bigger population as well so yeah totally um we're happy to entertain thoughts in that in that sort of space and you can so. always tweet us at uh havana podcast yeah or, or at soul cruise or at sarah yeah. b hunt i yeah. probably spend more time on the one than the other but yeah, yeah. yeah i still get the mentions at any rate all right okay so see you next week see you next week